Welcome to the Raft Podcast, Let's Fix Things, where Chus and myself, Joe Fletcher, explore the world of connected experiences, spanning from connected services, platforms, and devices over industries such as transportation, smart home, logistics, healthcare, and media. Chus and I started this podcast to explore design and strategy topics in more depth coming from the projects we handle in our design consultancy. Now, on to the show. Chus, welcome back. Good morning. Hey, man. Hey, it has been a while since we have uh, since we've done this in person again. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it is, we are re-recording this to see if we can uh, get a little bit of the construction noise out. We've been having construction going on around our studio, so hopefully this will work out a little bit better. Yeah. Today we are going to be talking about Juicero, which is a cold pressed, internet connected juicing machine and subscription service. And we're going to touch on the different design elements of that and the different, um, a little bit on the different marketing and service design aspects as well. Before we get into that, we did have one piece of news that we thought was going to be interesting to talk about, which was the Twitter and Bloomberg collaboration. Chris, go. <laughs> well. <laughs> news. Yes. So Twitter and Bloomberg decided to collaborate um, on basically bringing news from Bloomberg to Twitter more raw than it is being published on Bloomberg uh, itself. So it's for people getting access to the news when it happens, where it happens. Why I loved this. And for those of you who are uh, longtime listeners or as long time as you can be uh, with a podcast that's a little less than a year old, we have talked many times in the past about Twitter and the issues they've had figuring out what they're doing, where they're going, and where we've loved it is for news, that when breaking news happens, when there's a situation around the world, you open up CNN, maybe New York Times, maybe um, Al Jazeera, but you also check out Twitter because you want that instant, unfiltered news aspect. We've loved that. And the reason that this has been uh, something we wanted to talk about today is from a great point-counterpoint argument or debate that can be had around Twitter and Bloomberg. We should say that this is we use the word collaboration. Uh, Twitter is paying Bloomberg to do this, so it's not a true collaboration. It's more of a purchasing. But the reason why this is so interesting is we really like this idea because it allows you to see network news and right next to it, in theory, I, I hope, however this is designed, I think the design of this can be really brilliant, you're allowed to also see Twitter. And I just get this great feeling of seeing news from a network and hopefully in the future, maybe multiple networks alongside the unfiltered real-time news that is happening in whatever local market that you're checking out. So what I'm curious about is that in, it, in my memory, at least, this is like the third time a, a big tech company is trying to sort of get news onto their medium. You had Apple Newsstand, which I'm not hearing a lot about. Maybe it's bigger in the US, but over here, really nobody's using it. There's other subscriptions for that. I haven't heard much about anything in, happening in the US around that either. Okay. And then on top of that, you have instant articles with Facebook. And I recently read articles about instant articles not really catching on too much. No, no. I, I, I want to say New York Times may have pulled out of that, which was a, a pretty big deal. So no, it, the company hasn't really capitalized on that either. So Twitter is, is, in a sense, the third company, at least that I can remember, that is doing this right now. But I'm curious if, since Twitter feels so much, so much about real-time local news, 
if this is actually going to be the, the magic mix that gets this stuff to work? I think it could be based on how they design it. I can imagine this, this very amazing situation where I'm just watching news from all of these different curated news networks that are presenting me a point of view. Some of them may be more left-leaning, some of them may be more right-leaning, but then I have the unfiltered structure that Twitter gives me. Yeah. And from that point of view, it's not about the problems that Twitter have, ha- have uh, had with the troll issue, with the harassment issues, but it is embracing situations that are happening around the world right now. And I think that is a beautiful way they could, they could go. So what Twitter has always gotten into trouble with in my opinion, is that Twitter is pretty much what the Twitter users use it for, right? And it's a, it's a public way of communicating, whereas Facebook is more closed to your friends, to your friends of friends, but it's still closed. It's not broadcasting to the world. But Twitter even gets caught up in Google. It has its own search engine, and it's pretty much all out in the open. And it has just evolved over time, and people use it for what they use it for, and it kind of has a magnetic effect. And every time that Twitter as a company has tried to sort of fit something into this or a bit force fit something into this, it has never really caught on. So I'm curious if this one being about real time and local and, and news, if, is, if it's going to be sticky in the user group that is active. Let's see. The, the point counterpoint we wanted to bring up is, as you've just heard us, we think this is a very interesting idea. We think this could be a great idea, combining professional sourced news with the, the I don't want to say unprofessional, but the raw, let's say, uh, unfiltered news. The counterpoint comes from one of my favorite tech analysts, Ben Thompson. Uh, and his issue with this comes from paying a news company to provide content whereas Twitter has completely free content. And, and so to break this down so everybody can understand this, if I go back 50 years or 60 years into how content is delivered, uh, you had companies like newspapers or TV channels or radio stations where you were actively paying somebody. And this could be somebody writing an article, making a TV show, making a radio show. Then you had the people that were uh, distributing it. You had the advertisers in the middle And then on the other side, you had the people who were paying for the subscriptions. And so the people who were paying for the subscriptions were then obviously uh, filtering money through to pay for the production and creation of that content. Uh, Ben's, uh, Ben's argument is Facebook and Twitter have this amazing aspect about them, and this is a social media aspect, where content is created for free. And Facebook has been able to take advantage of this So they no longer have to pay for content. They do the distribution, which is worldwide. So unlike TV or radio or newspapers, which were more uh, local or neighborhood or city or state or region uh, or country in in the case of Europe, that all of a sudden uh, you could get that content for free. You could distribute it and then you could make money based on advertising. And this, this totally changed the way that the model was looked at. But now Twitter seems to be regressing to this point where they are now paying for content. They are not getting subscribers to pay, so they have to work on advertising dollars. And his argument is, why aren't they making the content that they have, which is free, work? And why aren't they then using advertisers uh, to fuel revenue since there's no paid subscription to Twitter? And I I think this is a very relevant argument. I think that's perfectly fine. But I'm looking at this from the pure experience point of view and the design point of view that I think is is just, 
I'm going to say the word brilliant and to put br- brilliant and Twitter in the same sentence uh, is something that's probably going to come back to bite me in the ass. I don't necessarily think Twitter is brilliant. I don't think what they have uh, they have done over the last several years is brilliant, but I believe the idea of combining a national news source that is produced with an unproduced, unfiltered content can be a completely new way of looking at news from a national to a hyper-local level. So there's the point-counterpoint. Close. My, my, my last point on this is that I'm very curious to see if, if this will sort of catch on with other news agencies because right now we're in a time where there's a lot of doubt about news sources. Again, this through history, this goes on and off, meaning that right now Twitter is putting a lot of faith in the fact that people will like, love, and trust Bloomberg News as their news source, as the truth, or at least as a, an opinion they want to read about. And yeah, that's putting a lot of faith or, or, or a big bet on, on a single horse. So I think this, this will be a make or break thing and they will need other news sources to, to tag along for this to work. Yeah, it, it could be a great way of aggregating a lot of news. Again, if Twitter becomes a news source. Uh, but yeah, so the future, let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but for now, let's move on to uh, Juicero. Yay. And see what's, what's going on over there. So to describe Juicero to our listeners who are not familiar, in the past, it is something we've, we've had a laugh at uh, for a few reasons. It is a cold press juicer consumer uh so for the home use uh you buy it directly from them it is available only in the u.s within select states at the moment and what their whole promise is is a subscription service a delivery service so it it is a connected uh juicer to the aspect that you take these packets that are delivered to you and you put the packets in the juicer and the juicer squeezes the juice the packets are are filled with pre-cut fruits and vegetables and then you can set up a subscription service so every week uh, new packets come so you can have juice daily. The pro of this is obviously convenience. Uh, as we've talked about in the past, people are very willing to pay for convenience. Uh, people are willing to give up privacy for convenience. Uh, people absolutely love what convenience brings them. On the other side, and where you've heard us talk about it in the past, is the price point and how they are selling the service. So the price point is very, very high. It was a $700 juicer. Now it's a $400 juicer. The packets of juice are anywhere between six to nine or $10. Uh, so it is a fairly expensive juicer. And at this moment, I'm going to shut up because I've described it and I'm going to let Chus take over because Bloomberg wrote an article and it wasn't necessarily a very friendly article, but you want to push back on, on what's been going on. Yeah. So what Bloomberg figured out is that you could pretty much get one of these Juicero packets and hand squeeze the juice out of it at about the same speed and the same amount that a Juicero uh, juicer could. Little slower, little slower. It depends. In the same time, <laughs> in the same time, a little bit less juice came out. So if you want everything, you need a bit more time, whatever. True. Somebody recorded a video trying to break this product. And I think... What has been happening is that uh, the marketing that Juicero has been using has been a very tech-focused, connected, device-focused marketing push where they're saying, hey, we have this juicer that comes with an app and that comes with a service 
and and the juicer is very special because it has all these features like scanning barcodes on packets and telling you the story about the fruits and vegetables that are in there. They, they went a lot with the from farm to table sort of tagline. It wasn't exactly that, but it was the idea that they control the entire supply chain. They can let you know the farm and tell you the stories about it. And so it was, it was really about this idea of fresh. Yeah, but the story that people have been telling each other and, and Bloomberg has been telling people is that it is a $750 juicer that does something that you can do by hand, right? So what I think is that the marketing tried to sell a device that comes with packets while actually what you're buying is a subscription service that gets you a way of getting fresh juice at your house, even without having to think about it. Right. So, so, so 700, now let's, let's be fair now. And now it's down to 400, yeah. uh, which is a nice cut. Um, so yes. And, and actually in the past, um, uh, month, cause I'm checking their website, they have changed the website. So previously it was a lot about the internet connectivity of this, right? There is the, the technology aspect of it. And now the site uh, is much more around earth and freshness yeah. and subscription. So what you're saying is, is what's been happening. But I agree. One of the reasons this was made fun of so much is because they, it, it first off, it got an insane amount of investment in it. And people felt like this was a toy that was unneeded. Right. So, their marketing team was acting like they needed to sell the new iPhone and a piece of electronics with lots of features while now their marketing team seems to have caught on and they're trying to sell something like HelloFresh or Amazon Fresh, which is like a crate of vegetables that is delivered to your house that come with a little booklet or with a web page. I'm not sure how Amazon does it with the story of where your stuff comes from, how it was grown, by who it was done, and what kind of recipes you can use with this. And they're pretty much overpriced vegetables just because they're in a crate delivered to your house, which you could also get at your local market for a quarter or less of the price if you want to get it yourself. But that's the whole thing. We're talking about a service that is all about convenience. It removes the cleaning of your juicer. It uh, removes the fact that you have to pick your vegetables that taste nice together. Uh, you can just chuck things away when you're done. All of these things are removed. And to me, getting angry at Juicero right now just means that you're seeing it as a juicer instead of a dispenser. Okay, so what's interesting, and, and we mentioned at the beginning, we re-recorded we re this uh, because of construction, which has now stopped, yeah. which is great. What you just described, I think was put so much more succinctly and, and, and nice, which is they have done the work for you. And people are looking at this and they are directly comparing it to the prices that they see in a shopping, uh, sorry, in a shopping mall, in a grocery store. Yeah. Um, but it is not that. And it is the same thing if you go out and you buy a, a pre-mixed can of Bacardi and Coke, it's like two fifty, And you know that cola, that sugar water is not costing them a lot. You know the Bacardi is, is watered down, right? Because it's like a 12% alcoholic drink. But you are paying for that convenience. You are paying partially for the brand. Right. And, and that level of convenience, the home delivery, the service, the fact that there is no cleanup, no mess, that is, is a story that feels like it hasn't quite been articulated well enough that people, we know people will pay for this. Nespresso is a great example of this. I make my cups of coffee probably for 15 or 20 cents. Yet plenty of people pay one fifty per cup of coffee from yeah. uh, from Nespresso, right? No cleanup, no so hassle. This morning, I went to pick us up some breakfast so we could actually start this without being hungry. 
and I picked him up from a supermarket chain that is at the train station here because that's the only one that's open before seven. And I paid, what was it, one euro 25 per croissant. And I know if I go to the same chain, except not the one at the train station, I pay 60 cents for the same thing, but they weren't open yet. So I was willing to pay that for the convenience of picking them up now, instead of waiting till past eight. We do these things all the time. Now, one more point I wanted to make is that it is a device that comes with ancillary products, things that need to keep on coming to make the device work, right? So let's look at other companies that have done this before. And then, and in our previous recording, I was already talking about, for instance, the game console market, where Microsoft and uh, Sony are pretty much selling their consoles when, when they're released. They're selling them below the price that it costs for them to make them. Right. They, they take a loss on the hardware. Exactly. Because they will earn the money back on the software, on the games that you're buying later. And they're making a bet that as long as you own that console, you're buying enough games to actually pay back and give them their profit that they're, they're looking for when they're selling you the product. Now, I think that Juicero, initially with their $700 pricing, were going for the inverted model, where they were almost making you pay more for the initial investment of the juicer than for the packets that come later. I also want to bring up what's very important and people fail to recognize is when you make high-end hardware with a low production run, it is naturally expensive, right? This is the difference between maybe the Philips Hue bulbs, which are you know 60 or 70 euros, and the, and the Ikea bulbs, which are half or less than half the price that just came out, right? When you're Philips and you make 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 bulbs, that is very different pricing than when you make 20 million bulbs. And Juicero is doing small pr production runs. And I think that's also something people just forget. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm defending the company. I'm just saying that we're all freaking out about the wrong facts and not looking at it uh, objectively just because there are some articles published with some videos that are just too funny to, to talk about. And... I'm probably never going to buy such a thing just because I kind of like the hassle of picking out my fruit, cutting it up myself, putting it in the juicer myself, drinking that juice, and then the cleaning of the juicer I don't like as much, but it doesn't bother me to the level that I would want something with this level of automation. But I also don't own an espresso machine. So I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the design of this. Yeah. Because I think this is, this is a nice uh, a way to present this. If we look at the product individually, the actual hardware, which um, help me remember the name, Eve Bahar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is a beautiful product. If you look at the packaging on the, the juice packets, they are beautifully packaged. The application that you use on your smartphone for some reason when you would want to use that, it is beautifully designed from a award-winning point of design, this, this is it, right? It, it looks beautiful. It functions beautifully. Now, what's so interesting about this is this product does not live in a static state. It does not live at, at a museum state where you just look at it, but it has an active ecosystem. And for me, everything that we've been talking about, if you had great service designers who were looking at the customer journey, and as you're looking at the customer journey, you're understanding what is really important to people. And this feeds into marketing. You would probably get that the convenience of it is really what is, is weighing heavily on people, right? The, this no mess, get it delivered. Convenience, not the, not the fact that it's a connected juicer, which was this big thing at the beginning, right? You can see the farms that they come from because the QR code is scannable 
on, on the packages and it's connected to the internet. So that, that information gets beamed to your phone immediately, as opposed to a paper packet that you said the, uh, the hello fresh yeah. or comes with. So there was all this stuff that if you had a, a great service designer or a design researcher, somebody should have been able to say, guys, none of your users give a crap about that. What they care about is convenience. The same reason why people get an espresso, the same reason why people get pre-cut carrots yeah. at the grocery store. Exactly. Can't be angry at that. You just pick the raw carrot if you want it. Yeah. So I, I, l let me do a quick service design proposal. And I'm, I'm sure financially it doesn't make sense, but let's say... The subscription is the thing you pay for and the machine you get with it for free as long as you're subscribed. If they would have done that, I don't think people would have started freaking out as much. They would have just said, that's an expensive subscription. That's just clearly not for me because I just want to do it myself. Or like, hey, for this much money, I can get free juice uh, or I can get easy juice at my house. Let's do it. So, so what you're talking about is the cable subscription, right? I subscribe to my local cable company and I get the box for free. Yeah. I don't have to pay 200 euros for the box. That just shows up at my door and they recoup that based on the monthly costs. So exactly. as opposed to, you know, um, the juice packet being $6, maybe it's six fifty. knowing right. that over two years of ownership, they are going to recoup the entire cost of this product. This yeah. is the same thing that we've been saying with IOT in general, yeah. right? That you want a service subscription that gives you the hardware for free because the hardware, this juicer may be obsolete in two years based on the technology within it, right? It, it, uh, luckily, because it's Wi-Fi, it won't be incompatible. The other things, it's not Bluetooth, Z-Wave, Zigbee. But yes, I, I agree. But I think the cable subscription example is perfect because that box by itself contains hardware that's necessary to view TV. But the moment that you're not paying for the signal coming into your house anymore, the box is useless. Same goes for the Juicero because it needs these special packets. The moment the packets stop coming, you have a piece of hardware at your house that can do nothing else because it's meant specifically for these packets, right? So they must have gone through all these models. It may, I mean, yeah. who knows? It may have been something that the investment that they got from uh, venture capitalists where it was at a point of you need to start you know, making a return on this investment immediately versus five years down the road, yeah. which is what we see with sort of the Amazon Facebook model where they're taking losses for the first few years. Who knows? Um, but it is interesting that if we look at it in a typical hardware software print design way, it is a beautiful, amazing product. If you look at it from a service point of view, a service design or customer journey point of view, there could be areas that are definitely able to be improved or at least presented in a different way that connects with customers and users better. Yeah. All I want to say is just think about it a bit longer than reading a headline and freaking out. I know there's a whole bunch of features in there and, and it's altered our marketing and in the setup video, none of these things I need if I want a glass of juice, but think about it a little bit longer and see what are the good sides of this because maybe the next startup that's going to come or maybe Juicero when they're going to get their act back together is going to nail it. I'll throw in my last words here, which will be a lot of products start out, a lot of products that everybody has at this moment start out as toys. Uh, the color TV, very, very expensive. The smartphone, you know, expensive. Computers, desktop computers, right? Expensive. All when they came out, they were considered, these weren't going to be things that catch on right? These were things for the more affluent people with disposable income. And that's how a lot of new products start. And we don't know, you know, Juicero could be planning other hardware products, 
Again, if we think about it as a supply, looking at a supply chain, delivering a subscription of food, and we leave the juicer out of it for a second, there are businesses here that are very interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I think we're going to package this one up and uh, see what happens in the future. Way to, way to make a pun. <laughs> okay, man. I will, uh, I will talk to you soon and uh, good to be back. Yeah. Cool. Later, man. Bye.